Good morning, Bagley Swamp. Man, you guys, you guys sound a lot louder than the first time. Is there more people out there? <laughs> oh, you're woken up now. Is that what it is? Man, it's great to be with you guys. How many of you is ready to go to Newbern this morning? Uh, one, my wife. Okay, good. Tough crowd. <laughs> it's good to see you guys this morning. It's great to be with you. Just appreciate you allowing us to come speak to you about what God has called us to, but also to speak into your lives. Are you ready for God to speak into your life today? Is He speaking to you today? Uh, I thank Pastor James and Amy for having us up. Thank you guys for the accommodations you've given us. Uh, man, we've just been blessed. The kids had a great time at the motel last night. Um, they were a little disappointed to leave. <laughs> I don't know why. The, the next door neighbors to us, I don't think they were too upset. <laughs> They were probably happy and tickled that we were gone. My name is Aaron Golden. This is my wife, Lene, on the front row here. And we have three kids that are terrorizing your nursery and child care workers in the back right now as we speak. Uh, our oldest will be five. Her name is Eliza. She'll be five in September. Our second is a son, Jude Gray. And his, his birthday was in May. He's three years old. And our youngest is Elise Gale, as everybody calls her, Elise Gale. We're truly Southern. All of our kids are called by two names. Eliza Grace, Jude Gray, and Elise Gale. I'm, I'm, that's a bad thing, I think. But uh, <laughs> if, they, if they get the two word, to the two names, that just doesn't mean they're in trouble. We just call them that. Um, and Elise, it will be one in August. And uh, we have a great family. The Lord has really blessed us. and uh, Sometimes we don't feel that way. We ask ourselves, what were we thinking? But then there's that glimmer moment when it's like, yeah, God, this is why we had and you gave us three beautiful kids. Um, I was uh, born and bred in the hometown of Straits, North Carolina, about two mile, well, about a mile from the foot of Harker's Island Bridge. And have you been to Harker's Island? Nobody. Okay, a few of you, yes, okay, good. Yeah, the real religious people in here, the folks that love Jesus, been there. Um, <laughs> um but my family dates back to when they were living uh, over on Shackford Banks and uh, the Diamond City there at the uh, foot of the lighthouse, and uh, so a lot of heritage there for me. Uh, my mom's side of the family, you're getting a lot of stuff extra that the first service didn't get, so be excited about that, I'm sure. Um, my mom's family was originally from up in Vanceboro and around Newburn, so we have some really keen ties back into Newburn on her side. Uh, I, I am a third generation general contractor. I was born to take over the family business. I was bred to do that. And Lene and I did that for about three years, uh, finally reaching the pinnacle of my career and what I had set out to do with my life. Uh, but I knew God had something different for me. Um, at about age 10, I knew God had called me to preach the word. That's a responsibility, a big one. But God had put it in my heart that I so was just compelled by His love for me, that I just wanted to tell others about it. Um, and that, that came before uh, age 16. Some of you would, would understand that preventing grace that we talk about. I think that's God's grace that goes before us. It covers everything. Amen? And uh, yeah, you can say amen. Thank you. Another, another person that loves Jesus. I can mark that off this morning. You guys are tight, man. What's going on in here? Let's loosen up. Um, my father... <laughs> I'm having fun. I had to change shirts because I got so worked up. I was sweating the first service. So I had a little bit of coffee, so I'm really ready to go right now. Okay? 
and that's bad for some of you that were here in the first service. Uh, <laughs> my father um, did not know Christ till about, I was about five years old. My mother was raised in a Wesleyan church here in uh, Harkers Island, and she kind of deviated her path with the Lord uh, as they got married, and uh, she married the bad boy, my father, and just led her astray, but uh, the Lord had something big in all that, and um, so when I, I came along, she decided that her son needed to be raised in the church. She wanted him to love Jesus. And so we started attending a little church plant in Moorhead City. Uh, this was with the Church of the Nazarene. Don't throw your stones just yet, please. And uh, my father uh, had some really scarred past and history with legalism in his family. And some of the churches around the Downey's area, my mom knew he would not resonate with. If anything, he would back away from. Uh, receiving the true gospel of Jesus Christ because of that. And so that's how we ended up there. And uh, We were there for many years. Um, my father walked by my bedside one night when I was five, heard his son praying for his father, that, Lord, would you please say my father and my mother had really uh, made it a, a, a important thing to teach me the word, to teach me about Jesus, and to help me learn how to speak with him. Are you speaking with Jesus today? I hope so. Um, and so he heard his son praying for his dad, that, Lord, would you save my dad? And it really troubled him. He went back to the room with my mom, and my mom could tell something was really bothering him, and uh, she said, Ned, what, what, what's wrong? And he said, uh, you know, Gail, I have a son that is praying for me, that can pray for me, but I cannot pray for him. And there my mom led my father to the Lord, and he claimed Jesus as his Savior that day. And from then on, he was sitting right beside us, front row, cocked and ready at the old Nazarene church where we stayed at until about 2001. And then my family with several other families felt a call to, to uproot and plant a church in Beaufort. It wasn't that far, maybe about 20 minutes, but it was closer to home. And so I was a part of that in my early teenage years. And in looking back now, I saw the, God's hand working in my life through new things, new beginnings, church plants. And... Um, so it's by no surprise now that I see that. I'm here to talking to you this morning about planning a church. Uh, now the location is a little odd. Uh, that seems like the wrong place to me. Because most people want to end up in Harkers Island, North Carolina. They want to be in Moorhead City, the promised land. Right? If you're a real believer, you'd believe that today. Um, <laughs> but in Newburn, I just never saw that coming. And... Um, Lene and I were serving as uh, staff members at the church there in Beaufort that we I was a part of planning uh, and wound up being an associate pastor there and Lene was leading worship and we just felt that God was stirring something in us. We couldn't quite put our finger on that. And I ran into Pastor Dan Leroy, many of you may know him, <laughs> just a few, and um, a, ha- a happen chance meeting, right? Yeah, sure. We uh, ran into each other at a Greasy Spoon restaurant there on Harker's Island called the Seaside Galley. If you're looking for a low-carb diet, that's not the place to go. And uh, I walked in and he said, Look, I've heard a lot of things what's going on in your life and uh, I'd love to talk with you about some things and opportunities that we may have. And I said, hey, um, yeah, that would be great. You know, I wasn't really looking for anything, so... I went back and I left in and Cynthia and I went and sat down. I was like, you know, if God wants something to happen with this, then he'll make it happen. I'm not going to try to force anything. Before Dan left, he came up to me. And obviously God wanted him to say something. But uh, he came up to me and said, um, I want you to be praying about Newbern. God has put it on our hearts for about 
five or six years, and we have really been praying that something would break free there. And what Dan, little did Dan know in, in that conversation was for five years, Lynn and I had been hanging out in Newburn for no apparent reason. We would find ourselves downtown eating at the restaurant, and her parents would come up, and, and we just enjoyed the town. We enjoyed the scenery. I mean, beautiful scenery, wasn't it? You saw in the video? Man, beautiful. And that August, before last August, before September when I met Dan, Lene and I were walking through the town with her family and her newborn Elise, and God spoke into me as we were walking downtown, Aaron, you can live here. For a down east homeboy, that, I was like, yeah, that, that's probably not. Bad food. That was gas, definitely. Definitely gas. Not God. And uh, Lene came up to me and she said, what, what are you thinking? And I said, uh, you won't believe it, but I just had this, this thought and feeling that I, I could live here. And she said, you know, that's funny. I was just feeling and thinking the same thing. Little did Dan know that that had happened. And we had shelved that, not understanding exactly what God was doing. But when Dan said to me, I was taken back to that moment with Lene and I. We went home and I told her, I said, won't believe who I ran into. I told her, Ran into Dan, she says, great, what did he say? I said, he said something about maybe us praying about Newburn, about starting something there. She said, well, we just talked about that. And for the last 10, 11 months, we have just been following God and His journey, and I'm here before you today. We moved there in September, and we truly see that God has gone before us, and He has took us through many valleys, many mountains, and will do so in the future, but we know this is our calling for our this is his calling on our life. And uh, so, a little of that, okay? Now, you ready to get some scripture? That was about us. I'm going to talk to you about what God's been speaking to us. Is that cool? Good? If you got your word with you, turn to Acts 9. If you don't, I think they're going to put it up on the screens. But uh, the book of Acts, man, awesome book. We get to see many of the church beginnings, new things happening. God's grace being poured out, the, the news, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ being spread like wildfire, just, just setting people ablaze, man. Amazing. And the, the apostles, the disciples doing wonderful things, and I am not a cessationist by any means, and I truly believe that God wishes to do these very things through us today if we would truly believe and allow Him to work in our lives. Amen? That's what the world seeks. They seeks to see that. Seeks to seize that. It sounds like a down east thing. Acts, Acts uh, chapter 8. Y'all with me this morning? Starting in verse 26. We come up with Philip. Philip was an interesting guy. I love Philip because uh, Philip was just really sold out to God. He did things that the Lord asked him without question. I think there was probably a lot of internal struggle, but we don't see much about that in the Scriptures. I hope someone looks at me in my life and writes well of me later. <laughs> Hopefully they don't see what I'm thinking half the time in, in the midst of doing it, you know? But we come up with Philip, and the angel of the Lord meets Philip and asks Philip to do something. So let's pick up here in verse 8, I mean, a chapter, verse 26. We're going to read the whole passage just because I want us to get good context of what's going on here, and I won't break it all down for you. We won't get into Greek and Hebrew, and we'll keep it sort of good and, and on the surface level, and we can just take it and run it home. But I know some of you that were here for the first service know that's probably not going to happen. So it's a false promise. Okay? I'm going to get excited. I'm probably going to sweat, so it's all right. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a, a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, 
who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you were reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shear is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the, war- the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded his chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when he came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself in Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Man. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for your word. As we now hear what it is you have to say, what you placed on my heart, God, I pray it would be honorable to you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I don't know about you guys, but through the last several months and a good portion of my walk with Jesus, there's something, there is something, there is something that I have learned. I'm Pentecostal. I said something three times, I know many of you are thinking. It makes it true if you say it three times. It's okay, guys. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Another one saved Jesus there. Believer. Thank you. <laughs> There's something I've learned, and if it's anything that I've learned, it's that God really sometimes, and a lot of the times, calls us and places us in what seems like the wrong place at the right time. Are some of you in the wrong place this morning? I hope not. I hope you're not. Do some of you feel like you're in the wrong place of life? Maybe God's really challenged you on on something. Maybe there is something that you know you're holding on to that is just the wrong place, but it's God's right time to do something great in your life. Can that describe you this morning? What is beautiful about this passage, this this text in Acts 8, where we see Philip doing what God had called him to do, The beautiful thing about this passage is that we clearly see that God will call us to what seems like the wrong place. What seems like the wrong place. Well, you say, well, how is that, Aaron? How how do you get that and discern that from the passage? Simply look at the Scripture itself. An angel of the Lord came to Philip. Where does he tell Philip to go? The desert road. The last watering hole out of Jerusalem on the desert path. Like the last 7-Eleven or gas station heading out of 17. It's the wrong place. You say, what's 
the wrong place here. If you're thinking about in human perspective and in our perspective of being successful for God, the places that you think about doing the most for God is where the most people are. Not only where the most people are, but it is the, the, the perfect position and place that you think God would use you. Amen? But that's not where he called Philip. He asked Philip to go down to the desert road. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know how much more clear we got to get than desert road. You know, I'm thinking cactus, I'm thinking, you know, all western stuff. Now, of course, that's not what's going on here. But I'm thinking, okay, if this is me, if this is me thinking about God's calling me to the desert road, this is not the place I'm going to have the most impact. The most impact for me would be the city square, would be at the grocery store, would be hanging out where people are, right? That's not where God asked Philip to go. See, I imagine in Philip, I imagine that Philip is sitting here thinking, because I would be thinking, because I have thought, Lord, why there? Why there? Why Newburn? Why Bagley Swamp? Why? Lord, can you use me somewhere else? Isn't it somewhere else you would like me to go? Can you, can you imagine Philip thinking that? The struggle with dealing that God and His choice place Okay, the choice place that He wants you to go to, the place that He has made you to reach in the moment, His choice place, 99% of the chance is going, the time is going to look like the wrong place. It's going to look like the wrong place. And most of us, we, we're unsettled by that because we want the perfect place. I want security, I want safety, I want money, I want to be sound in my life. I don't have to worry about things, I don't want to be troubled by anything in my life. See, that's the right place, we think. But God calls us oftentimes into places that are the most unsettling of places. Are you with me, church? What would seem to be the most inopportune place the most inopportune place on the world, in the world, is where God will lead you. It's where God will lead you. <laughs> Heard a thing about faith? Heard anything about faith before? Are you, are you walking in faith this morning? God's going to place you somewhere where all odds are against you. You know, when we, when we started sharing with people that I knew, that knew me, first of all, when they knew I was giving my heart to God in the service of ministry as a pastor, it doesn't make me any better than anyone else. Simply what God has called for my life. When I began to share with them, they would oftentimes say, well, what about your, your parents, your grandparents, your mom and dad? What about the business? You know, that, 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 those things were built for you. Why? I mean... That's crazy. You're just going to, oh, so you're going to do that and, and those two, right? Yeah. Not really. You're throwing it all away. You're throwing everything away. 
We began to share with them about Newburn. Newburn? Why Newburn? What's in Newburn? Then I would say, I, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know, we're going to find out. Uh, there's always going to be someone to make sure, along in your path, to make sure that you know where you're headed is the wrong place. And they're always going to be there to tell you that, listen, this is the wrong place. You better turn around. You better stop. You better go back. You better try something else. You better go somewhere new because this is not the place. But what God is saying is, will you trust me? Will you believe that what I have said, I am the God who will pull through? I told you you're going to get a little bit more than the first service got. I'm primed and ready. So there are some of you in the wrong place today. Does it seem like God's called you in the wrong place today? If so, if so, I beg you, think about it. Think about it. Has He called you to befriend someone that seems like the wrong person? Has He called you to reach out to someone that you would in, in, in all otherwise never, never reach out to that would seem like the wrong situation to even get in? Is He calling you to do that today? God don't need the ones that are already saved, folks. He needs the ones that don't know Him. That's the ones He wants. Those are the ones that seem wrong to us most of the time. Amen? It's easy to rub elbows with you guys. You're good looking and you love Jesus. I mean, it's a no-brainer. Second point today. Have you ever figured out that God does not work in isolation? You know, most of us that are wrapped in flesh, we often think because we can only handle really one thing, Okay, I know a lot of us think, like me, I can, I can like think about and do things, like 20 things at one time, right? Yeah, right. If I try to do that, every one of them is going to get messed up. But we are capable of only being in one place at one point in time working on one thing, effectively. But did you know the God you serve does not operate like, like that? He's not bound by time. He's not bound by place. He does not work in isolation. So if you think that He works in isolation this morning, you are superimposing your situation upon a God that is omnipresent and omnipotent. An all-sovereign God. Let's look at Philip just a second. Notice, notice, notice. There goes that three thing again. The, the, the angel of the Lord tells Philip, says, rise and go to the desert path. Did, was there a demand in there? Did anybody hear a demand in that? Was it like, like I do to my kids? Rise and go to the desert path or else. Boy, you better do this. Or I, you want to go to the bathroom? And then that's when they say, no, I don't have to go to the bathroom right now. It's not there. It's not there. What God was asking Philip was he was extending an invitation. An invitation for Philip to join in on something that he was already preparing and doing. 
Well, you say, well, how, how is that? How is that? The, the reality behind what God was asking Philip to do, to go down to the Gaza path, to the desert path, was simply an invitation for Philip to join in on what he was doing. And little did Philip know was that God had already been working on this Ethiopian, this eunuch. I won't go into the descriptors on that. But I would submit to you that he was cut off pretty good. He was pretty low. Man, I don't know how much lower you can get than to be a eunuch. Yeah, he was handling money for the officials. It seemed like he had everything going for him, but he, he, he was low. And little did Philip know was, was that this desert path, this desert place contained and would contain one that was so low that he was looking for somebody. When invited to join in, to be a part of what God is doing, it will require faith. It will require faith. You know, most of us, we, we want to see the angel appear to us. Most of us, we want to see a heavenly vision. But the fact is that God has already promised that He has good things for you. What I want to ask you, church, is when are you going to start believing that? When will we, as the church, as the bride of Christ, believe that He actually has good things for us? That, that, wait a minute, maybe He actually means what He says. When, when will we believe that? God was working on the Ethiopian. And if Philip, if Philip, if Philip had of resisted, the call, do you believe that the Ethiopian would have not met Jesus that day? I don't. I don't believe it. Here's what I do believe, though. Philip would have missed out on what God was so desiring to do with his life and through his life, and he would have regretted that forever. He would have been like most of us, like I have. The, the what-ifs would have taken place in his life. And he said, well, what if I'd have just went down that desert path? What if I'd have just asked, done what God asked me to do? And what if I would have just done that? It is a, it is a prison of what-ifs. Your response, your response does matter, folks. God wants to use you. That's how He advances Himself. That's how much He trusts you and cares for you and loves you that He, he trusts you with the message of His Son, the Gospel. Don't you want to be a part of that today? Don't you want to be a part of the good news today? Don't ever for once forget that God is the God. He is the God that goes before us. That, that is what was told to the Israelites in Deuteronomy. I am the God that goes before you. You stand with me, church? He's the one that has prepared a way for you much better than you could ever engineer yourself. Do you believe that today? Next point. His time is the right time. 
His time is the right time. I would submit to you that many of us miss out on His right time because we want our perfect time. You want me to say that again? Many of us miss out on His right time because we don't see it as being our perfect time. You know, many of us, we, we don't get outside of the, the box we have created that we call life because it does the things that may require us, that the Spirit may require of us, pulls us away from things that we think may be perfect. God, I, I can't reach that person because that's, yeah. It's not, right, it's not perfect time right now. Lord, show me a time. Show me a time. And there's so many people along in your path that need to see and hear life breathe into them and you fail to do so because we're so captivated and carried away with this idea that it's going to be a perfect time. And what Paul tells Timothy in his letter to Timothy is that the testimony of Christ is given at the proper time. It never says anything about perfect time. But when God lays a moment before you, it is the right time. It is the right time. So let's look at this a minute. By chance, Philip found the eunuch once he got to the desert road. By chance, right? And, and by chance, the eunuch was searching for answers. The who is this scripture speaking about? Who is this God that I'm... I don't know. And, and by chance, he was curiously reading the prophet Isaiah's prediction of Jesus Christ to come. By chance. And by chance, there just so happened to be some water by, so he would be baptized after receiving Jesus, right? This is by chance, right? I don't know about you guys, but that sounds like the right time to me. And if anything, if I look through the lens of God, if I look at the way He looks at the world, that's the perfect time. What more perfect time could there be? you got a man that's lost and he's looking for answers and he's searching and he's searching in the prophet Isaiah about the prophecy to come. And not only that, but there's water there for him to be baptized in. Goodness sakes, you, you couldn't set up a better scenario. Nothing in this life Nothing in your world and following Jesus is by chance. Nothing. Now this doesn't mean this doesn't mean that Philip didn't have some things going on. I mean, could you imagine? Okay, faith to get down to the desert road. Okay, he goes down to the desert road. Here comes a guy riding on a chariot by a eunuch, an official higher than what Philip probably could be used to discussing with or having a conversation with, and he's riding his chariot. And then the scripture says that Philip is told and pushed to go and run by the chariot. That would be like somebody pulling out of the parking lot and the Lord said, hey, there's somebody in that chariot that needs me. How about going running by them? Could you imagine that one? Hey, Dan, how you doing? What you reading? Yeah, right. Some of you is not going to do that. But that's him running beside the chariot. He's running beside the chariot. And, and the eunuch, he, he's reading. And, and I'm thinking, man, does he not notice this weird guy running beside the chariot yet? I'm thinking I hope Phil doesn't put his hand on the chariot and he's going to take off faster, you know? He was there at the right place, guys. 
and everything that God asked him to do, most of us would think was crazy. We would think it was nuts. We would think it was the wrong thing. We would think it was not the right, right time, the right moment. He's on his chariot. He needs to get off. And I'm just thinking to myself, guys, I mean, how many times have we done that? This needs a better time than this. There's a better time than this. I told the first service, this is a side note, I don't charge extra for those. May cost you a little time, though. We've had uh, several funerals of uh, folks that we know, some good friends that have gone on to glory. And uh, one of those deaths recently was my great aunt, my grandmother's sister. And um, she loved Jesus, no doubt. But uh, she, she was a part of a really legalistic holiness church, very legalistic. And uh, we were at her funeral, and many of the kids in our family on my father's side, they, they, they do not serve Jesus today because they've been scarred so severely. So severely. They, they got the bait and switch of what we see most of the time. where they're, they're told about possibly how good Jesus is, but then they're sold a, a bad bill of goods. It's a bait and switch. They're lured in and smacked with the rock. And I was sitting here as... Um, as the, the, the ceremonies were going on, and now the speaker was up speaking. And I don't doubt the guy loved Jesus. I don't doubt that. But my family sitting over here that is so scarred and tarred and mired and so need Jesus, they, they so need to hear the good news and grace of His redemption. And I, I sat here and watched as these people and my grandparents, my, my, my father's parents, not knowing Jesus themselves, sitting here, while someone called them out by name and badgered them and butchered them with what we would think was a terrible circumstance. The, the point in their life when, when they were most vulnerable and, and the right time to give them the message of a graceful God, of a God that redeemed, a God that sent Himself as His Son to die and pay the penalty for each of us that we could live in freedom. That we could experience the love. That we could have a hope and a future to come. But not only that, but a life now lived in an exalted state through Jesus Christ. These words were nowhere to be found. It was only hellfire and condemnation. And I sat and watched as, as my family was only <laughs> driven deeper and deeper and deeper down away from the grace of God because of the things that this man had tied around their neck. Heavy burdens. This, my friends, is why most of the world does not accept the grace and goodness and gospel of Jesus Christ because they associate Jesus with the things that we have just created ourselves and beat them with. You must get a bath before you get clean with Jesus. Clean your life up before you get Jesus. I know you. I know what you've done. It's not the gospel of Jesus, guys. The gospel of Christ is free grace. It is abundant grace in our lives. It is, it is to be and lift us up into greater points, not just in this life, but in glory as well. This is the message. This is the gospel. This is what Philip left 
for a wrong place to bring forth in the right time. He went to show the eunuch the free way out, not the way to more burdens and chains. Are you free with me this morning? Are you free with me this morning, guys? Christ came to set us free. And so free we are indeed. We are free. Do you not want to hear that message? Does the world not want to hear this message? They're looking for this. They are looking for freedom. They are like the eunuch. They want to know the truth. And all the church has told them is that this is the list of rules that you must do for God to love you. And that is not what God said. He nailed him to a cross and said, because of this, now you can have me. I'm about to get fired up. Might have to change the shirts again. I was feeling all down and out of myself. We were in Newburn back in Christmas, and I was thinking, God, hopefully I'm not keeping you all too long, but don't worry about it. <laughs> I was asking God, why, why do you want me to go here? This is the craziest thing in the world. I'm from down East Carteret County. We can't even talk halfway right. Half of the words I use are not even in the dictionary. I say them, well, wife's from Alabama. I go down there and talk, and everybody's like, what in the world is this guy saying? I've taught them a few things. I don't quite say y'all enough, though. God, what do you want me to go here for? And we walk downtown, and there's old churches here and there on the corner, and I'm thinking, Lord, why? Why? I mean, there's churches here. Why do you want me to go start another stinking church? That's a terrible thing to say. I began to feel down on myself. I felt about two foot tall. I got in a car, and I was ill probably, and Lene probably attests to that. And on the ride home, it was like God settled in on me and shut me in like a fog. And all I could think about was Christ's words in John 12, 32. And it was like God spoke into me and said, Aaron, 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 woe up a little bit. You see, you're trying to do this all on your own. See, you're trying to do this all in your strength. You're trying to understand everything that I'm asking you to do. And I'm not asking you to understand. I'm not asking you to do anything. All I'm asking is, will you come on this invitation for a journey on a place that seems like the wrong place at a time that is the right time and a place and a people that I'm already working in. And all I'm asking you to do is to be like Philip. Would you come alongside and just come on the invitation for the journey? And he said, because you see, what, if you remember my words that, that I spoke and, and, and John wrote in 12, in verse 32, that Jesus said, when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. You see what I want to say with that is that it's all on Jesus. You yourself will not save one person. If you yourself lead someone to Jesus, they're never going to stick with him because they weren't drawn to Jesus. They were drawn to whatever you were selling. But what Christ tells us is that if you would lift me up in your life, if when I am lifted high, I will draw all men to myself. You say, well, how is that, Aaron? How is, how is Christ lifted up in your life? I'm not talking about ritual. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a relationship with the Almighty God that is so manifested in your life that His presence around every person that you see can rub off on them and they say, what is it that you have? And He draws them unto Himself through you. 
Good night. That is the message that Christ beat in me that night and said, Son, it's not about you. It's not about what you can do that I'm calling you to. It's about what I can do in you and through you if you would let me. It's about what I'm already doing. It's not just about the people you're going there to seek and save through me. It's about you. It's about your relationship with me. And this is the road that you must take. This is the way we must go for me to get deeper into you. That's the journey. That's what our life is about. (laughs) Peter, and I'm going to jump down here. Peter, Peter writes about how we should be is that as we come to Him, our living Christ, a, a, a us as a living stone, Him as a living stone, rejected by men. That sounds familiar. You're going the wrong way, Aaron. You're going the wrong way. Don't go there. <laughs> but in the sight of God is chosen and precious. You yourselves like this living stone, like the one who was rejected, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. Oh, I love it. I'm a contractor. I love that. A spiritual house. To be a holy priesthood. What is a priesthood? It is simply a priest. is to bridge others with the living God. You are to be the bridge that other people can cross to get to the God of, of all. Don't be like the Pharisees. Don't be like the Israelites and sacrifice the priestly role that they could have obtained. In leading the world back to God. Are you doing that today? To be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. It's not about what you can do. Yes, you have giftings, and yes, the Holy Spirit will give you giftings, but it's not simply just about those. It is about what Christ did for me and the grace that He poured out on Calvary and that so possesses my life that I lift Him up among everything else in my life, that we have such closeness and fluidity in life. There's no compartmentalization. There's no Aaron at work and no Aaron at home and no Aaron with family and friends and no Aaron here or there. It's all Aaron with Jesus. He possesses everything in my life. That's lifting Jesus up. That is what the world wants to know. That is the truth. That is the truth that Philip shared with the eunuch that day. And that is why the eunuch so believed and was so ready to be baptized. Because Philip had showed him a life so possessed by Christ. And so obtained in his life and grace. That Philip, the eunuch said to Philip, (laughs) what's stopping me from being baptized, man? This is it. This is it for me. You want to see a change in Bagley Swamp? You want to see a change in America? You want to see a change in Newburn? You want to see a change in North Carolina? You want to see a change in your sister, in your family, in your kids, in your friends, in whoever? This is the way to get there. Start here. Start with Christ manifest in you. That is the lifting. Are you ready to lift today? Are you ready to lift? I hope this isn't a heavy burden to you this morning because this is as freeing as freeing gets to me. You want a real life. You want a real life that knows satisfaction beyond what anything this world says can be. You do this. You live this, man. 
You start today and you hold on to Him with everything in your life. That is where it starts. <laughs> so, I'm asking you today, after that message, will you help us lift up Jesus to Newburn? I think you guys here at Bagley Swamp are doing it, man. You guys got some crazy good things going on here. Man, it's just amazing to me. A hundred year history to see where you have come, where you are today. It's just a building, guys, but it is a symbolization of what God is doing in personal lives here. God is changing you, and Newber needs to see that as well. Sure, they're seeing some of it, but there's other people there that God still desires to see come to Jesus. Are we still the people for all people? Are you for all people? Whomsoever would come? You've got two cards today. Hopefully, I think the guys pass them out to you. One is full of information about who we are, about our kids and our pictures. Hopefully, you don't throw darts at it. Maybe not after the night. But take it home with you. Be praying for us, please. That's a prayer card. Put it on your fridge. If you don't like putting it on your fridge, put it above your toilet at home. That'll be fine. Just somewhere you see it. The other one is our lift gift. And, and what this does is, is, is help us. Yes, I'm asking you, would you help us financially as well, not just through prayer? Would you help us finances? You know as well as I do that it takes money. It's just a tool. It's a tool. One share is $10 a month. Maybe you can do $10 a month for two years. That's what we're asking. Maybe you can do more. Don't let me stop you. I'll praise Jesus with you when you're done. Pastor James is going to come up after I'm done praying. He'll tell you how to get those to us. But church, greater than that, I am here today to implore you to love Jesus. Don't try to be like Jesus. Don't just try to be like Him. Don't try to just be like Him. I've seen too many people trying to be like Jesus that have thrown off everyone else around them from ever wanting to love Jesus. I'm asking you today to be possessed by Jesus. That's a strong word. Be possessed by Him. Let Him in on everything in your life. Hold nothing back from Him. When He says yes, when He says go to the desert road, you say yes. When He says talk to that person, you talk to that person. Do whatever it is He asks you. 